Good morning, North Terrace. Oh, this third service is ready to roll. We're just going to hit the ground running. You guys, you guys ready? Well, I have been feeling a little vulnerable in my life yesterday, or in the last couple of days and weeks, and I thought I might try something new just to have somebody get my back and, and protect me. So I have hired and, and, and acquired my own personal bouncer. And, and I, I found that it's really, really helpful. It does give me a lot of peace of mind. It helps me feel more, more safe and secure. But, but it's changing a few experiences. And I guess let, let, let's try to just see how this works. Um, because this is fun. It won't be awkward at all, right? All right. So, so you all know that I normally like to work the room and shake hands with everybody, and I'm, I'm kind of like an open door, but, but I just want to make sure. I, I, I want to greet Joel here, and so I'm welcome to North Terrace. Would you make sure everything's safe, please? Be safe. Welcome to North Terrace. Thank you. You too. Changes the experience a little. Doesn't feel quite as welcome, um, but, but it makes me feel safe. Makes me feel secure. And... Uh, it's kind of nice having a bouncer. I mean, I, I feel like I don't have to ch- check my six all that often. I, 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 somebody got my back. And I don't want to look back there because he makes me laugh every time I look at him. So, um, so I, I really appreciate having people not just literally be my bouncers, but people who have my back. But have you ever had an experience with a bouncer? I mean, <laughs> some of you may have some really good stories about that. Um, but but the, we, we run into them in different parts of our lives, don't we? Would you all say thanks to Jeff for helping me out? Thanks, Jeff. Jeff's whole NT group right now is just laughing because they know his personality and they're like, he's the least bouncer guy there could be to be a bouncer. Um, God made him big, but outside of being big, he's like this big heart, big personality, big smile, and he'd be the, he'd be the most open arm guy you could imagine because that's the contrast, right? Do we stand intimidating and closed or do we stand welcome? Glad you're here. And the difference is not subtle. What, what would it be like if our VIP team, which is our greeting and, and ministry team here at North Terrace, who kind of is our front doors and all that, if when you got to North Terrace, if you're a first-time guest and you walk up and you see a couple of Jeffs just standing there. Well, welcome to North Terrace, where we were so excited to have you come that we want to pat you down and make sure everybody's going to be able it would It would so radically change my experience, which oftentimes is I get to do follow-up calls with guests, and I say, what did you like? What was your experience like? And you know what I often hear? So friendly, so welcoming. I ran into these people I knew, I work with, and it just felt like home so fast. I, I love hearing stuff like that, and I would hope that we would have kind of that ushering spirit, that greeting spirit that says, I'm so glad you're here, as opposed to, now, now why are you here? And, and why do you want to be part of my life? And we don't just do that at church. And, and I think it's important for us to look at who we are as a body of faith and what our culture and attitude and vibe we put out is. But I think we can also do it as individuals. And, and so let me ask you, where do you lean in most of your life? Are, are there times in your life where you are clearly in the... the I'd like to keep you out here mode. You know, I, I'm here, I'm, I'm in the room, but I'd like to engage on my terms, my way when I'm good and ready. Are there other parts of your life where you're like, it's all good, everybody come and be part of the life of my party, my life is gonna be awesome. Well, have you, and, and what's probably most accurate is that in certain contexts and moments, we might be a little more guarded and sometimes we might be a little more open and, and maybe we would even call that wisdom. I, and I get that. I find that in myself, as much of a kind of a hyper extrovert as I am, there's still moments where I'm like, I love you, and I, and I, I want you to be my best friend here pretty soon, but, 
but I'm going to check you out a little bit. Have you ever encountered that in a business? Like at a restaurant where you went and you heard the food was great, and maybe even it was great, but your experience while you were there was you almost felt like you were a burden on them. Like you're bringing them business and they're treating you like you're unnecessary to the experience. You ever, you ever experienced that kind of customer service? Like, I'm sorry, we, you are making my life hard. I'm like, you're a customer service rep. This is why you exist. But that's a, another story, another time. Comcast, Time Warner, you know. God bless them all. Because <laughs> I know we have, to, we, have, we have reps from them in our church. You have a hard job. I love you. Stick with it. Power to people. All right. This week, I, I needed to get some pants hemmed. And I went to an establishment in our community that is a little more upscale than I normally go to, because uh, that's kind of evident right now. Um, so I walked in, kind of dressed casual, and, and the gentleman who served me was in an a amazing suit, um, dressed to the nines. And I explained, you know, I'm a baseball umpire. I need to get these pants hemmed. Um, the pair of pants I got is, I was giving him all this information. He could have cared less. Um, and I almost, he was putting out this vibe like, and, and who are you, and why are you here? And could you please go now? But, I, but I'm Chris, so I, I, I think everybody's about to be my best friend, so I just keep talking. <laughs> and uh, so I go into the changing room, I put on the pants, I come out, he measures the first pair, we keep talking. I, I put on the second pair, I come out, we keep talking. By the time I'm checking out, we're best friends. He's unbuttoned his coat. He's taken off his glasses. I find out his son's a local baseball coach who I've done games for. We're tell- it took like another 10 or 15 minutes for me to even get out of there. What started for me as the, why are you here, became the, I'm so glad you're here. And I love that experience sometimes that the walls can come down. And I wish that happened in our lives when it came to how we interact with people from our faith experiences. Because way too often, people who encounter Jesus' followers are experiencing a lot of this and not enough of this. And we've got to work on that. So this morning, we're going to continue and and, and put the kind of the capstone on our series of messages we've called Love Does. And and today, we're going to look at this phrase, love walks across the room. And the image or picture is this, that in life, we operate from a place where we live, a place of comfort, a place of norm, our side of the room. And that we're going to look across the room sometimes and we're going to see people who aren't us. And there are so many ways that they aren't us. And we'll talk through some of that this morning. And we have to make a choice. As Jesus followers, do we stay on our side of the room, comfortable and safe with our own, or do we cross the room and get to know those who aren't us? And... I think we're going to find as we look at scripture this morning and the heart of God, that God changes us and challenges us. In fact, I would say it this way, and it's in your notes this way, that Jesus invites us to be inviters. Does that make sense? What it means is Jesus is inviting us to do what he did, to cross the room and invite people to come to the God we found who loves them that much. And Jesus modeled that. You think about what Jesus did. If anybody walked across the room and what of all the barriers that could have kept them from doing it, Jesus is the son of God. When he's in heaven, everybody worships and, and glorifies him. Revelation gets us a hint of how that experience is him for him. It's an amazing experience all about him of worship and celebration. He leaves all that behind. He comes to earth 
so that he can help us find the Father. And now he's saying, now do the same. I'm inviting you to be an inviter. This is an amazing experience. And I hope that today you're encouraged by it. I hope you're disturbed by it. I hope you're comforted by it. I hope it gives you some hope for you. I hope it gives you hope for your friends. I hope it gives us hope for humanity. Because this is God's plan. And we're going to walk through what God has in mind for us all. And, and, and I hope that, that as we spend time in Scripture this morning, that, that it really, it, you chew on it. You, you, you process it. You say, what, is that, what does that look like where I live? So, so we're going to start in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. And if you've been here a few times and maybe heard me preach before, I've actually preached on these words from Matthew 28 uh, since I've been at North Terrace. And, and I don't do this again to be redundant. It's just these are so powerful, and they match what we need to talk about this morning so much that I wanted to go back there. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And I I really don't apologize at all for revisiting such important verses in the Bible. These are often called the Great Commission. So if you've been coming to church for a while, they'll probably sound familiar. And if you're newer, welcome to something that is gonna be hopefully memorable for you and and, and encouraging. So what is happening in what we're about to read? These are gonna be the words of Jesus. Um, This is him talking, and in the moment that is occurring, he's already died on the cross, he's been buried in the ground, and now he's risen from the dead. He's about, he's literally minutes from ascending back to heaven to be with the Father, and like like a lot of things, you, you often pay most attention to the first word somebody says and the last word somebody says. Well, these fall in the last words category. It's almost like Jesus, if he was sitting with you and I, he goes, look, if you forget everything else, this is the plan. I'm leaving. I'm going to be gone for a while. While I'm gone, do this. I almost feel like when my mom and dad would go on a trip, it's kind of that version of it. Like, just get, the, this is your do list. When Tanya does it, I call it my honey do list. But this is God's version of what matters most. And I would call it, and I put it in your notes this way, this is God's plan A what he wants his people to do. And Jesus is communicating it to us. So read it with me together. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right, let's unpack that. There's nothing super complex in that. And and if we're going to try to say, so, okay, so in the midst of that, what is, what is the plan? What is he actually telling us to do? There's one word that's going to show up every time, go. And that's the, this assumption, that on our side of the room, we're going to go from where we are to the other side, to find where people who don't know God are. But when we're there, what do we do? The first is this, go and make disciples. So what's a disciple? Sounds like a churchy thing, but that's, we don't just use disciples in a religious context. Some people are, are disciples of other thoughts and processes, or even, you might even call fans in some ways, are kind of disciples of something. But in this case, a disciple is somebody who follows someone. And we are disciples of Jesus. So we are following him. We want to walk in his footsteps, walk like he walked. And so I'm going to make this assumption. When Jesus says, go and make disciples, he's assuming we our disciples, that we are walking in his footsteps. That, that makes sense, right? I mean, otherwise we would feel no obligation to do God's plan A because we're still doing our own plan. But if God is of the Father 
And he's saying, here's plan A. Now we have to make a choice. Am I going to do what he asks? And, and the first part of the plan is we're going to cross the room. We're going to go. And when we encounter people, we're going to tell them about a way of life that is better. We don't yell. We don't scream. We don't point the finger and pat them in the chest. We don't grab the bullhorn and say, you're going to hell. Not the most effective way. We cross the room and we show them. We tell them. In fact, probably the most effective way to make disciples has a small verbal component and a huge lifestyle component. How do you live? We should live in such a way that those who do not know the Father can see him through us and can see what love and tenderness and grace and compassion look like. And they look at us and say, man, you are so different from the world in the midst of turmoil and tragedy, in the midst of upheaval. Why are you smiling? Why do you still have hope when hope should be lost? And we say, because God made me this promise. He's with me. And if he's with me, I got nothing to worry about. And Jesus already said he's got everything taken care of after this world. So in this world, I'm free to live with him. The Bible even says that will sound absurd to the world, but maybe what they can't understand in words, they will understand in actions and deeds and passion. So we come to make disciples not by haranguing and yelling. We come by living alongside other people. Jesus said we're the salt and the light of the earth. If we stay on our side, then we've missed the point. Salt comes in and it brings its flavor. Light comes in and it shines bright. We come alongside those who are not us, And we show them that God has a way that is better. So maybe once they start saying, hey, I hear about this Jesus you're following, and I think I'd like to follow him too. What do you do? How does that work? God actually gives us, um, it's going to be part of understanding in our head and our heart and our soul, but there's actually a really good first experience of a follower of Jesus. And and, and it's the next thing in what we read in Matthew 18 or 28. It's a go and baptize. And so we're inviting people to, to experience what Jesus modeled for us. The Bible says that we are united with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection when we're baptized. I think that's amazing. That somehow I I get to experience something that Jesus promises through baptism. And Jesus was baptized and I want to be like him. So if I'm a follower of him and a disciple, one of the first obvious things was be to do things he did and he was baptized. And in Matthew 28, what does he tell his disciples to do with other disciples, he says, baptize them. So we go and we say, you want new life? The Bible says part of experiencing new life is believing, confessing, repenting, and being baptized. That this is what it means to be a disciple who follows. And so we do that. We tell that story. We live that story. We model it. We make it attractive through our hearts and our lives. And then there's this last one. It says, go and teach. Now, now, sometimes I think we come over with this mindset, we're going to come over and I got to teach you all the things you're doing wrong. There is always room for truth as we're communicating grace. But if all you do is teach what they're doing wrong instead of what God can do that can make it right, then all we're doing is, is creating a new legalism, a new law. And Jesus came to be the new freedom. And so we've got to communicate grace that frees us to obey what is right. Because Jesus didn't say, don't teach them to obey. I died for them, so it's all good. He says, I died for you, so now you can do what is good. I died for you so you can pursue God's best. 
And so for those who choose to follow, we then teach. And we teach to obey everything God commanded. Now, ready for a truth? Disciples who are followers of Jesus listening to me right now, here is a temptation we must be careful with. That we sit on our side of the room waiting for God's oven timer to go off when we are done cooking and we are now completed as a disciple. Ding! Now I can go tell people about Jesus. When does the oven timer go off? Never. Never. A disciple is learning through a lifelong process to follow Jesus. I've met people in their 80s and 90s who have come to a strong understanding. They said, I'm still learning. I'm always going to be learning because God is bigger than my best imagining. So every day is a chance to learn something new about him. So if we're never going to be done and Jesus told us to go, that we don't wait till we're ready. We go because Jesus said he'd go with us. So you don't go alone to the other side of the room. You go in the power of the one who sends you because he believes you're up to the job. <laughs> Anybody ever not feel up to that job? <laughs> I'm the minister and I, sometimes I'm like, you, you done lost your mind, God. I know who I am and I'm gonna mess this up good. And you know what? I have sometimes, but his grace is big enough. But sometimes he uses just plain old Chris Steele to love somebody in a way I never could have imagined. To be there in a moment way beyond me, but God showed up. And he can do that with you too. So I hope that encourages you that God has a plan and you're part of it. Now that answers the what in the plan, but there's actually a rest of the story. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, God even gives the win of the plan. And I wanna shoot through this really quick, but I think it's important to remember that there's a lot of barriers we put between us and the other side of the room that are man-made, not God-made. And so Acts chapter one, verse eight is actually the same moment that we read in Matthew. It's just some of the rest of the story. This is again, right before Jesus is gonna go into heaven. And Acts 1, eight says these words, but you, by the way, this you is not just the disciples who were hearing it in the moment. This is a you all that means you hearing this and you that will hear this in the future. But you all will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you all and you all will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. All right, so some of you are like, oh sweet, it doesn't apply to me because I don't live in Judea or Samaria or any of those places. Yeah, it applies to you because the principle here is very clear. He's speaking to a group of people in that moment who live in Jerusalem. So the first place we must go is Jerusalem. But you might then draw a line and go, wherever I live. Jerusalem is where you live, work, play. It's your, it's your hometown center base of operations. So God's first place for you to cross the room is where you already live. And it's probably the places where you're going to most naturally comfortably do it. But then he says, you're going to go to Judea. Now, Judea is the surrounding region right around Jerusalem. So for us in Zanesville, Ohio, this could, this could be that whole eastern, southeastern, maybe even up to Canton, Cleveland. God knows they need Jesus up there. Browns fans alone need hope. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. I mean, God's footprint is as big as it needs to be. We might even say, why would you say this? Ohio. 
shared language, a lot of shared experiences, a lot of common commonality, common ground, common history. And so we'd so God would say, go go to Georgia slash go to Ohio. If God ever opens the door to go somewhere, go. He's telling us to cross the room, to go to where people who aren't us live, operate, and they need to hear about Jesus. And then he says, go to Samaria. And you're like, so what? Samaria, what's that? Samaria to someone in Jerusalem would be like someone in Zanesville going to that state up north that begins with an M. And I'm from Indiana, and I know how this one goes. Samaria is Michigan. And, 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 I, and obviously that's just football and it's tongue in cheek, but it's, it's the people that are your rivals. It's the people that you might be in opposition to. And, and I would say this, there are a lot of people that we put in our Samarias. Sometimes they have a different skin color. Sometimes they have a different gender, a different education level, a different income level, a different age. And we sit on our side of the room and go, but they're different. Surely someone else can love them. You aren't calling me to love them. Who did God call to go to Samaria? Someone over here said us, and they get my gold star. (laughs) Drop the mic, baby. You're on fire. It's not optional. They need Jesus. And then, if you had any excuses left, God does go to the ends of the earth, where I'm going to use this word, go everywhere. The world needs Jesus. And I am so grateful that so many men and women have had their heart break, not just for the nation they live in, but sometimes for people around the world. My own son this summer is going to go to Haiti for eight weeks. As a dad, I'm ridiculously proud, and I'm, it's hard. But man, he's listening to God's call and going, I need a chance to tell people about Jesus who might not hear about him otherwise. Go, God. Go, God, keep calling us. So what would be your everywhere? Some people's everywhere is time zones away, and some people's everywhere is Columbus, Ohio. God will take you there, but you need to be ready to go. So that's God's plan A, to go, make disciples, baptize and teach, and to go literally everywhere with the gospel. So that's great news. God didn't make a mistake, and that plan has changed the history of the world, and it's given literally millions and millions of people eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God, great plan. But I would always ask this, so what's God's plan B? Surely there's a plan B. So what's God's plan B? You're hearing it. There is no plan B. God's plan is us. And if we don't go, the tragedy is overwhelming. If we don't go, the cost is too high. If we don't obey as followers of Jesus, people have no hope. God's plan is you and me. He even gives us a job. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. You know what he calls us? Like, since I'm a sports guy, I say, this is my position. On the team for God to accomplish his plan, this is where I play. I am an ambassador. Check out these words. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Welcome to the team. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is your calling. This is your purpose. This is what you were born for. 
And if you don't do it, somebody might not ever hear. Does that tweak anything in your heart or nature? Does there something that makes you want to weep because someone may not ever hear about Jesus if you don't go? We've got to cross the room because it's really comfortable over here. It's really safe. I mean, I know these people. This is my family. This is home. But if I stay home, people die. I hope your heart breaks for this. I hope God pulls on it so much that you're like, I, I find that difficult. Then God, be difficult. You are an ambassador. So what kind of ambassadors are we going to be? Well, I want to talk to you about something I think might be difficult to chew on. I want, I want to spend the next couple minutes actually talking about how we need to be ambassadors. And I think the potential exists for what I'm about to say, for this to be controversial. Some of you may be uncomfortable with some things I'm about to say. Um, so I want to make this request. Hear my heart. Hear the spirit I'm trying to communicate in. But sometimes Chris Steele cannot say what he meant to say as well as he meant to say it. So if there's something you feel like you would help you if I clarified it, would you please come to me and say, I think I heard you say this. What, it, what does that mean? Because I would rather us go, oh, 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 here's what I actually, you know, I'd rather us deal with that than find out on Facebook later this week that all of a sudden I'm getting blown up because I said something I didn't say. I mean, are we okay with that? So I'm asking for your confidence in me, but also your patience, and I want to walk through some stuff with you. So here it is. I don't know if you've been watching the news this week, but I'd be shocked if you haven't heard about a pretty significant news item right now. Are we all aware of Target's decision about transgender bathrooms? Anybody? <laughs> Come on. If you're conscious in America right now, you've probably heard some discussions about this. So let me give you a few thoughts and unpack some things. I've been a little disappointed this week in God's people. I, I, I've seen a, a lot of things on social media like Facebook and Twitter that have caused me to step back and go, who are we? And, and what are we yelling about? For, for instance, did you know two of the most viral posts this week are absolute fabrications about incidents that happened in Target bathrooms? You know who forwarded all those posts? Christian people who said, see, I told you so. 10 to 15 seconds of quick research would have shown you that pseudo news sites that are mocked up to look like legitimate sites completely fabricated these news stories, made them look like the real thing, and then put them out there. You know why? Because every time they get clicked on and forwarded, those companies make money. And they basically said, I wonder what will happen if I put out this bait. And we all bit. And I wish I could tell you that nobody at North Terrace sent me any of those. And if I did, I would be lying. So what are we doing? What, what, what voice are we communicating in? So let me give you a few thoughts. Now, and in the future, when something comes up that maybe makes you go, that, that doesn't seem right. That, that, that raises my concerns. 
I, maybe it's about society and culture or the church. Can I make a request? And can we agree to do this? When that happens, let's pause. Let's breathe. Let's pray. Let's open up scripture and see what it says. Let's, let's reflect and ask God for guidance. So before we speak or before we hit send, we know that we are being God's ambassadors in a voice and in a way that would bring him honor and glory, not make him or his people look foolish. Can we agree on that? Not rhetorical. I, we can do better. And here, I would transition to this thought. We got to remember Jesus' model. I mean, Jesus made stands for truth. So I'm not telling us to say, it's all good, nothing matters, everything, whatever feels good. Jesus said yes and no, right and wrong. And there were times that he said, this is what you're doing is wrong. But you know what he did to the world? Sinners. He came and encountered them. And with where he would state a truth, he would surround it with grace and say, I'll meet you where you are. To a woman caught in adultery, he tells her to go and sin no more, but he also communicates tremendous love to prostitutes, tax collectors, some of the most evil, vile people of his time. You know what he did? He came to them and said, I love you, the kingdom of God is near, there is hope for you. He never said, hey, keep doing what you're doing, that sounds like a great idea. He said, I love you. And there's a way that could be better. So the truth was surrounded by grace. But we take grace and we surround it with so much truth that people can't hear the love of God through our pointing fingers and our loud yelling voices. Oh, friends, Jesus gave us a better way. I'm not telling you to make no stands. I'm telling you to make the stands Jesus would make. And let me ask you this question. And this one is rhetorical, but I want you to chew on it. Why do we expect Target and other businesses to act like faith institutions? Why in the world would we expect a, a business that sells merchandise to share our same values and everything? Now, now, hear me in this. I am so grateful that so many business owners and operators operate their, their places of, of, of business by Christian values, by godly values. Thank you, God, for giving us a way that is not good just to live in church, but in life and in business. Show us the way. But, but, but why would we expect Target, or any other large corporation to be like the church. They aren't. That's not their mission. That's not their purpose. And they were never called to be followers of God. Well, they were called by God to do things his way, but they, they didn't make that same declaration. They aren't disciples. And I find this interesting, and this is what I really want you to chew on. We will stand with a Christian baker who says, I feel uncomfortable making a cake for a homosexual wedding and say, who is culture to impose values on that baker? But then we will go to Target and we will say, you must do things by Christian values. What's different? 
Why, why, do we, why do we make that a different thing? Aren't we, aren't we just saying it's situational how we want it as long as it matches our values? Freedom is messy, guys. The same freedom we want, we need to offer and then wade into the mess and go, freedom is an opportunity to do what is right, but it's also an opportunity to do what is wrong. Can we show you a way that is best? So I give you that to think about. Should we impose, impose our faith and values on a business? Now hear this. If God's Holy Spirit is leading you and convicting you to boycott a business, to make a statement in some way, and you are confident that that matches Scripture and the Spirit, then make your stand. But, but I give you this counsel. If your stand is to completely withdraw, you've missed the nature of God. Because we make our stand, we make our statement, and then like Jesus, we also build the bridge and we engage and we say, what can I do to help? How can I love? Knowing that it's hard and difficult. <laughs> because here's our, here's our spiritual pout that's going on right now. We are so persecuted. We can't shop at Target anymore. Woe is us. You gotta be kidding me. If that is the level of persecution you and I are claiming and experiencing right now, we are the most spoiled, entitled. Do you know what's happening around the world right now that is persecution? The moms and dads got up this morning in parts of the world to go worship God the Father, knowing that they could be arrested, their children could be taken away from them, that they could be physically assaulted, they could lose their businesses, their incomes. There are people in North Korea who, when they are caught worshiping God, are laid down in the street and a steamroller rolls over them to kill them. But you can't go to Target. Let's stop and realize what persecution is and also realize what opportunity is. When we disagree with someone, we don't have to go to war. Because if we have to go to war, that means that the war is still being fought. We already know that God has won the culture war, God has won the war of physical life, and God has won the war of spiritual life. So we don't enter into these moments as, I wonder if it'll turn out good for God. We get to enter into them with confidence that says, God is with us. God, show us how good can come from a moment. So we go to Target. And maybe we don't buy a single thing for us. But I heard a story this week where a pastor went in and said, I want to buy a candy bar for every one of your staff members. And the two managers on duty started weeping because they'd been cursed at and yelled at all week by God's people. Shame on us. We're better than that because Jesus was better than that and we're supposed to be like him. Look, some of this is hard. I mean, I bet some of this stuff makes you uncomfortable and you're like, I, don't, I just don't get it. I find it really difficult to relate to. The transgender thing, man, I have, I have lots of questions. Can I tell you a quick story? Since it's the third hour, I'm gonna go just a few minutes longer, but I wanna tell you the story. I haven't told it yet today. 
When I served in Colorado, there was a man on our staff who I held in very high regard. He was a gifted, eloquent speaker. And you may notice that I'm not very notes-driven. I'm not anchored there. He was one of the first ministers I saw do that. And I said, I want to be so passionate and have God's word in my heart for what I came to say that I don't have to keep looking at my notes. And he was that guy for me. And we moved. and, and, And last year, actually it was about 18 months ago, I remember sitting in the office over here and I get this phone call from a friend who had served with me out there and he goes, hey, have you seen this? And so I go online. And my friend Paul is now Paula. This guy has spoken at national gatherings of the Christian church, Church of Christ. He's a, he's a leader of leaders. And if you're gonna ask me, do I have all the answers and can I make all sense of that? All I can tell you is this. He's my friend. And God loves him. And so I do too. Because for Paul, Paula, it's me. Because he's got stuff. And I've got stuff. You've got stuff. Man, man, we've all got it. And not only is the world watching how we approach those who don't follow Jesus, but I think we're watching each other. And we're saying, is it okay to be broken here? Is it okay to to open my heart and say, I need help? Because this has to be the safest place in the world for broken people to find healing. And sometimes it is, and sometimes we're still trying. But I've been in this chair, and I bet a lot of you have been in this chair with stuff you're wrestling with, and you just wish somebody would come across the room, and they'd sit with you and hold your hand and pray with you, and they'd cry with you, and they'd ache with you, as you try to discover what God wants. And I'm so glad people in my life did that so I can follow Jesus. But now, Jesus has invited me to be an inviter. And I wonder who is in your life that you need to cross the room for. Who, who do you need to come and love? Not because it's easy to love them, but because Jesus loves them. You don't have to have all the answers. Show up. Just keep showing up. Because the world is watching. And the world is looking. And sometimes the world is not finding the hope it needs. But every now and then, through the darkness, through the pain, through all the murk and mire, God breaks through. And people say, that's what I was looking for. Look, if you're sitting in the chair across the room and you're looking towards God going I want that I want it and I want to encourage you don't wait any longer we'll walk with you let's start talking about what it would mean to follow Jesus and begin to work on your stuff your sin because Jesus has got the answer for it and this is a whole room of people learning to follow him better every day you want to be part of that we want you to be part of it So we're going to sing a song.
Maybe you need to just worship God. Maybe, maybe you need to come up and let's pray. Maybe you need to come up and we can pray for a friend. But I'm going to be up here. Whatever you need, let's come. Stand and sing.